everybody. Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. Today we're reviewing something that came out over the summer. Uh, the latest, actually not the latest at this point, the, the second most recent Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Uh, the first of the pandemic era, I believe. And that is Black Widow, starring Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh. Black Widow! That's the theme song. That is the theme song for the film. They play it many times yep. in the movie. They really they really try to take like what they did with Wonder Woman and just kind of crank it up to 11, right? Black Widow! <laughs> um, directed by Kate Shortland. Uh, you want to read the synopsis, Adam? Do you have it? Yeah, it's short and sweet. Natasha Romanoff confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. There you have it. All right, so the the solo film, the first, the first and presumably only solo film for the character Black Widow, who I guess that makes her that that makes it so that the only one of the original Avengers in the original Avengers movie who doesn't have a solo movie is Hawkeye, right? And he is getting his own TV show. Yeah, it doesn't count. (laughs) 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 So she's officially, she she officially beats Hawkeye in in how seriously should I take this character? Yeah. Because she at least gets her own solo movie. Although I think most people feel, uh, certainly it seems this way to me, that this movie is you know, coming way too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, not yeah. to spoil. I mean, I, I don't think I really need to worry about spoiling the, um, you know, I think highest grossing film of all time or somewhere in the top three. But for those who haven't seen, for, for those who want to see Black Widow, but haven't seen Avengers Endgame. And or, they are out there. Somewhere. <laughs> I guess that person exists somewhere. Uh, so cover your ears for the next five seconds. But she did. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but that's not even the real reason I'm saying this movie's way too late. It's just, you know, uh, well, it's this character's been clearly, around for many, many years. On, it very clearly fits in the timeline in a very specific spot in the Marvel. Right, like, right. Movie. You know, it's sort of like. Well, and, and probably could have fallen there. But I'm saying it could have been even before then. Because, you know, like they make Avengers They've got all these characters and then they make three Iron Man movies and three uh-huh. Captain America movies and three Thor movies. Right. <laughs> it's like you couldn't fit one Black Widow movie in there. <laughs> she is. Yes, part each of one the of those team. people has to have three of their own movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but sure enough, you know, uh, I think there's a back, you know, the, the, the story goes as far as I understand it, that. Uh, the head of Marvel was like a toys guy and like, and kind of a sexist guy (laughs) who was like, girls don't buy superhero toys. So yeah, yeah, no female superhero movies, (laughs) you know, just picturing a real, real Scrooge of a character. Right. Um, man, but that guy's gone. That guy's gone. That That guy's gone. And Kevin Feige's the head honcho now. So he doesn't, he doesn't have to suck up to anybody. Um, Anyway, anyway, so, but that, that's beside the point, you know, this movie, I think, uh, 
you know, there was definitely, there's definitely a good amount of demand for it. I would think lots of people like this character. Um, what were your expectations, Adam? I'm not familiar with Kate Shortland at all. Um, so, and nor, nor did I really know much about sort of like the creative team behind this movie other than Scarlett Johansson and, you know, just like the MCU as a whole. Um, so I didn't know what to expect. What about you? Um, they were pretty low. Um, I, I basically, are you familiar with Kate Shortland? I'm not, uh, familiar with Kate, I'm not familiar with Kate Shortland. Uh, from what I can see, it seems like her, her, um, body of work is, a fair amount of television and then a couple of movies uh, prior to this. Um, and it feels like just very typical of Marvel that they take a, you know, relatively like a promising director, but without mm-hmm. a ton of um, without a ton of credits uh, generally. And I think in some ways Marvel's like it, what it feels like is Marvel saying because we can influence them. Right. We can sort yeah. of direct them to make sure that they have that marble, that marble sort of. I mean, feel I, I'm sure thing. I'm sure I think there's a cynical way to read it and a and a and a more generous way to read it. And I'm sure there's some element of truth to both. You know, right. the cynical is like we can get this person for cheap. <laughs> you yeah. know, this is just right. a factory anyway. They're there. We don't really need them that much. And we can sort of bend them to our will. I think the more, you know, charitable reading is we are a powerful, you know, movie making business and we want to use our power for good and give mm-hmm. lesser known filmmakers, you know, opportunities to really make a big splash. And right. Most of the directors who have worked with Marvel have really, you know, publicly really uh, nice things to say about the experience and claim to right. be given a lot of creative control and that kind of thing. That said, it's hard to know what to believe given that this is such a massive, you know, machine that I that I have no doubt it covers not only the creative content of the movies, but the marketing and what the stars are supposed to say and what the sort of story they want to sell to the public is and things like that. So, you know, they might all be they might all be miserable and they've just signed these agreements that like you will say the following things about working with Marvel. Right. Know, for all right. I know. For all I know. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, but your expectations were fairly low. Um, yeah, fairly low um, because this was a movie that uh, features a character who, you know, for better or worse, we know her fate. Right. So you don't really have any sense of drama as far as what's going to happen to her in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, you you know that it feels like it cannot be crucial to any of the larger sort of MCU story that we know so far, right? Uh, because right. if it were, then why wouldn't we have gotten it before sort of all the big fireworks happened, right? Mm-hmm. And so just it seemed like um, it it just didn't seem like it was likely to be sort of an urgent, really impactful story. Right. Um and it's instead felt like it was going to be a series of, you know, missions, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of like they're just going to go on some missions and do some spy stuff and, you know, done in two hours, right? Um, and so that was sort of what I was expecting yeah. walking in. And not to say um, that I don't like things like that, 
I do, but that may it's it's sort of that's what I mean when I say low expectations. Just not I wasn't expecting to be blown away. Yeah, it's so interesting what the what, you know what the MCU has kind of conditioned us to expect at this point. It's sort of like what you want out of an MCU film is completely different from what you would want from almost any other movie. You know, like mm-hmm. I want this movie to have major implications for this larger world that it exists within. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what was the point? <laughs> right. You know, whereas like most movies don't have any sort of burden like that. Even, yeah. you know, even franchise movies like Mission Impossible movies, James Bond movies. I don't really care if there's much to do with the, you know, the rest of the universe, probably because the MCU is kind of unique in that, you know, it's this really big universe with like different starring characters, you know, right. Um, and team up movies and that kind of thing. Um, so it's like, I want this movie to have some, something that in it that will have ripple effects that might affect, you know, Captain America or Mm -hmm. Thor or something. It's like, if it's not going to affect any of the other characters, then it, feels just this like this insignificant blip kind of yeah um so i get i get your i get what you're saying i I think i had a similar similar expectation of i mean i assume just because i we've seen a lot of marvel movies at this point i assume that they would find some way to have it have a lasting impact of some kind like oh this will this will plant the seed of something that yeah it's probably not going to directly relate to like the Avengers storyline where they fight Thanos, but there will be some other thread that they sort of set up. That's going to, that's going to, you know, carry on beyond uh, what we've seen so far. And I think that is the case, but, um, uh, but like you, I wasn't really expecting a ton. Um, I will say from the trailer or two that I saw, I thought the action looked pretty good. So, yep. So I was yeah. like, I bet there's going to be some pretty solid, you know, hand to hand fighting. Also, yeah. Black Widow's always I've always felt like Black Widow as a character had some of the best hand to hand combat in all the Marvel movies. Yeah. So I was looking she forward like, just like she has to, to that. right? She has <laughs> yeah. to be more skilled than everybody else. In well, they give her some gadgets and stuff, too. That's yeah. That are less cool. But um, yeah, like in the I think in the a couple of the Captain America movies, she's got some good, you know, drop kicks and flips mm-hmm. and jumping and and like wrapping her legs around a guy's head and flipping him over th- those kinds of things that she does um so i was looking forward to that at least um but let's talk about uh let's get to uh first impressions how did it compare to your expectations uh it we so t- as sort of an illustrative point we started watching this movie relatively late at night it was probably like 10 30 or, or 11 right and this is a two hour and 15 minute movie and in our brains we were like we'll turn it off about halfway through and we'll finish it tomorrow mm-hmm. right that was sort of like the low stakes sort of viewing experience that we were going for but au contraire listener <laughs> we finished it in one sitting okay right um and that sounds was, like a good thing and we stayed up very late and hated ourselves for doing it but um for us <laughs> but uh but it was it was an exciting movie right mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. it had it was um it was funnier than i anticipated it would be mm. right uh and so i just think there was just enough of the 
ingredients that you're looking for in like an action comedy, you know, type of experience that like um, that you're like, yeah, I just I'm willing to watch the next thing because even like the slow scenes have jokes, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. like the fast scenes are uh, interesting enough and well thought through enough that you're that you're eager for it to take you to to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. So yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it too. Um, but well, I should say I liked it too, but I don't think it sounds like from the, what you just described that it surpassed your expectations, which were admittedly kind of low. Um, I would say it did not surpass my expectations, but I still liked it. Like for me, it was sort of like, a, like, you know, like an Ant-Man or mm-hmm. like, uh, or like, a. I'm trying to think of a, another movie around that quality. Maybe for me, like Doctor Strange. I'm sure some people really loved that. For me, it was just sort of like a okay Marvel movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. My point being, I like all of them. I like all the Marvel movies. They're always entertaining. You know, right. they're they're always very watchable. And I found this to be no exception. Oh, Captain Marvel might be. I think Captain Marvel was like probably my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, Marvel I think it's, I think that movie's actually bad. Right. Well, I still, I mean, I'm sure I, st- I still found it enjoyable, but yeah, do yeah. I have any desire to see it again? No. Um, right. So this one, so this one to me was, uh, it certainly didn't feel like, you know, one of the top tier, um, Marvel films, but really enjoyable and, um, not anything, uh, you know, I didn't have ma- any major gripes with it. Well, that's not entirely true. I, I think some of the kind of plot developments in the final third, call mm-hmm. it, of the film, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I didn't hate, but I felt like just they they were kind of frustrating in that I felt like, oh, I feel like they could have done this so much better, um, mm-hmm. you know? And the way they did do it is not, it's not like it's terrible. It's just not anything special and, and um, I think this movie could have um, stuck the landing in a much more satisfying way that would have probably elevated it to a point where I where I would be like saying this is like the best solo movie in the, you know, or like, you know, or is top tier for solo, you know, intros in the Marvel uh, universe. Um, so it didn't it, it, it stumbled a little bit in the end for me, just story wise. Um, yeah but I do think the action was good and the, I agree with you. I think the, the comedy and just the general kind of entertainment value were high, um, had a nice brisk pace to it. Um, the yeah. character, <clears throat> the character dynamics were really, were really good. You know, her, her relationship with her sister played by Florence Pugh, I thought was mm-hmm. pretty strong. Yeah. Um, Florence Pugh's a great actress. So that, you know, yeah, that helps. Right. Um, in fact, they just got great a great cast all around. I mean, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, and Rachel Weiss. That's a solid yes. ensemble right there. Yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, like we've we've watched lesser movies that have like quiet, you know, typically in an action movie, it goes like loud, quiet, loud, right? Mm-hmm. There's like a big action thing and then everybody disperses and then your characters end up sort of in a in a dining room or a mm-hmm. warehouse mm-hmm. or somewhere and they're, having like, scene. Yeah. and they're having a chat. Right. And those scenes are often not interesting mm. in big action movies because, um, 
they are like just full of exposition or yeah. the acting is poor or whatever. But I'm just thinking through the there's a scene in this movie where it's sort of the first time that this pseudo family is reunited and or for the first time in 20 years or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the fact that to your point, it's these four quite talented actors like playing off one another being a family. Yeah. yeah, Being a family with all of the history and petty grievances and serious grievances that families have. Right. And just Mm -hmm. being totally both believable, but funny and, uh, yeah. you know, um, the dynamics between each character being different. Right. Um, I just thought that that was, uh, a really well done scene that normally would be sort of like fast forward material. Right. Right. And, right. Uh, but I would watch that sequence again, just because of how well performed it was. Right. Yeah. And so I think there's something it, it's obvious, but you know, when you get, better performers in your film <laughs> like it's a more watchable movie you imagine know? that yeah it actually yeah. it actually matters um so yeah I, I mean and i would argue even before that you know just when she first uh you know she, she scarlett johansson and florence Pugh, just when they meet up and there's some there's some interactions just between the two sisters i think those are really you know similarly watchable and Mm-hmm. In, enjoyable f- for for the content itself you know whereas like you said typically a lot of times it's li- it's it serves a very functional purpose of just it's literally just a break from the action <laughs> you know right in, in lesser action mm-hmm. movies um and yeah it might be exposition or like an, a, a feeble attempt at character development too but normally it's just like a pacing thing just like yeah we just had a bit a- big action scene so now we have to have some you know people talking. Um, okay. So, uh, you were, it sounds like maybe would, would you say pleasantly surprised is a, is an accurate way of describing it or? Yeah, it, I think yes. Pleasantly surprised in, I think especially the, the characters of, um, that were played by Florence Pugh and David Harbour. I just mm. thought that they, um, brought a lot of lightness Yelena and, and Alexi. Yeah. Um, Yelena. Yelena um, and Alexi. They just brought a lot of lightness to their performances that um, make, I think, what is otherwise like a pretty sort of um, like dour kind of plot, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Sort of like a, another plot, another story about an evil Russian you know like uh i don't know whatever like sort of super secret kgb type of organization that is like human trafficking and like turning children into weapons right that's right we're just this is we're just on a tear lately with these you know female assassin groomed from a young age to be a to be a cold-hearted killer movies yeah just there was a (laughs) A prompt, a writing prompt went out in all, throughout all of Hollywood, and this is yeah. what came back. Yeah. Um, but you know, it just sort of like there's a risk of this just feeling like over serious, you know, for ultimately what is a comic book movie, um, and the fact that they, you know, they're able to get that plot line through and not have me like rolling my eyes the entire time, 
yeah. is I think a testament to just sort of like the the sprinkling of of joy that they give you throughout to make it to make it that much more palatable. Indeed. Agreed. So okay, so that covers our first impressions, expectations and first impressions. What what themes does this movie cover that you want to talk about? Uh I really th- this notion of family is a really peculiar one that the th- this movie's very interested in like the family the family you're born into or that your secret government agency forces you into mm-hmm. versus the family you choose like the Scarlett Johansson character several times throughout the film talks about you know this was my family right. and now I have a different family mm-hmm. and she's just sort of um all these characters feel I think very adrift and lost without something to belong to right and I think that that's sort of an an important theme throughout the movie of just how all these folks are looking for that. And, you know, by proxy, aren't we all right? Mm-hmm. Aren't we mm-hmm. all looking for some, some unit to belong to? Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think that's pretty consistent, especially with the Natasha character throughout the Avengers movies as she routinely talks about the Avengers as, as her family, know, her adoptive family. Um, and I thought that this movie did a good job of sort of exploring like, why she would be so eager for that and what happened in her life that would, you know, cause that to be sort of the hole that needs to be filled. Yeah. That I think, um, you, you, the way you phrased it was something like, you know, has to, has to do with deciding who your family is. I think, um, a different way of putting it for me is just what, um, not the idea of choosing your family, but the idea of what, what feels like family to you because right without really without really spoiling anything there is there is a conversation um with the family where mm-hmm. one of the character you know they're talking about how some of you know ba- basically what makes them a family is sort of based on artifice you know that it's not real right and one of the characters says well it was real to me and yeah. That that was very touching to me. The idea, and they they all sort of you know I think have a lot of compassion for for that character in that moment because um, the to me the point the movie's making is that it was real you know for her like mm-hmm. that is that is her real family because it's what her her rea in her reality you know these are the people that that made her feel at home. Right. That the, that she felt closest to. So mm-hmm. I think the movie has the point of view of sort of families like a relative, you know, sort of like families in the eye of the beholder, I guess, is sort mm-hmm. of the point. Yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of, uh, you know, the that famous line from the movie movie adaptation that says uh, you aren't you aren't you, you know, you are what you love, not what loves you sort of like mm-hmm. your family is who you think your family is, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Not who feels like you're their family. Yeah, um, right. Which is kind of a sad, <laughs> a, a really right. sad notion when you when you explore it in this sort of asymmetrical way of this character thinks of the others as their family, but it, it's not reciprocal. But anyway, I think that's another theme. I think another clear theme to me, back to the human trafficking angle, is like control 
um, control and agency and lost innocence. I don't know. Um, a lot of, you know, the black widow character, Natasha, her, her, this movie actually opens, if I remember correctly, or if it's not the opening scene, it's one of the very first scenes sort of reveals some, um, some other, you know, some other women in this girls really in this black widow training program who are like literally being mind controlled. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think one, and I think at some point one of them even gets enough sort of control of her, of her faculties to be able to at least say like, I'm not doing this. Right. right. Or like, I don't want to be doing this. Yeah. Um, that, that seems to be like another theme that the movie tries to explore, you know, in as much depth as like a Disney movie can, because <laughs> yeah, it's a very right. dark concept, but I do think it makes an effort to, to, to dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I think that's exactly right. It's sort of um, it's there, but it's not very thoroughly explored. It's it's um, it's very literal mm-hmm. and not very uh, metaphorical for like broader issues facing. Yeah. Women, yeah. To, right? Well, well it, to me, it's one of those um, sort of like because this is Disney yeah. and and this movie needs to make hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, the creative team is like, we'll put it out there for you to put the pieces together. But we have to keep our distance from the real, you know, from the true message we're trying to kind of gently and very subtly get across. Um, But like you said, we're just going to make it very literal in, in the text of the movie, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, in this movie, uh, a large number of women are controlled by a single man. Yeah. Right. But it's like, and there's really very few other men in the story who are um, like co-conspirators. Right. It's not like, that's true. It's just kind of the one bad dude. (laughs) Society is responsible for this. It's like, no, 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 just this one guy, this one bad guy. Right. right. Just um, just like in the real world, it's just one right. bad man <laughs> who's contr- Yeah. And so that's I think sort of where the movie pulls up a little lame for me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where it's sort of like it's interested in this idea, but it's sort of chick it's um I don't know if it's fair to say this, but it feels like it's it chickens out a little bit and it's sort of like we, let's not think about any type of problem that yeah. is like a larger societal issue. Instead, it's just this guy in his floating palace. That's the problem. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. There, there probably is, there probably are ways they could have sprinkled a little bit more reflective sort of dialogue into the movie, at least, you know, characters talking about, um, the fact that, you know, it's not just this one guy who else is implicit or complicit rather in, you know, the kinds of things he's doing. Um, But they play it very safe. You know, this is, like I said, this movie needs to make hundreds of millions. So don't rock the boat too much. The fundamental name for uh, all of these young agents, right, are, is widows, Mm -hmm. right? And it's this notion of 
they are sort of like uh they've been left but they are le- you know what i mean it's it, a widow fundamentally implies this notion of you had like a spouse and mm. now you don't right because they are gone and the, well they're called they're called black widows after the spider right which is deadly why is the spider called black widow I don't, that's my I question don't, well i don't think are they called black widows oh are they, are they just ca- are they just called widows i don't think they're ever referred to as black right? widows throughout the film i think scarlett johansson is the black widow right? why is she the black widow if the rest know, of them are just widows i don't i don't, I don't know <laughs> okay i might have just yeah you're, you could be right and maybe i just assumed they were all called black widows which would make a lot of sense to me because, again, because it's the spider. But that doesn't explain why the spider is called the Black Widow. That might have to do with some sort of weird, you know, gender uh, stereotypes that are deeply rooted itself. Who knows? Uh, but I'll go with you that they're called widows because your point is very much has to do with the idea of them being kind of abandoned and alone and and like. Yeah, there's this fundamental sort of notion, like just the term vulnerable widow. Yeah, implies that like they're unprotected, they're un, um, they're incomplete, they're exposed in oh, some yeah, yeah. way. Yeah, there you right? go. Right, uh, and I think that that's a very, you know, problematic <laughs> way to think about it potentially. But I think that that's part of the potentially like psychological, you know, influence that this you know this baddie Drakoff is is attempting to exhibit over them drake right? more like jerk off am i right am i right am i right ladies um what, uh, what, what a, a jerk what a what a under what a you know under usage of ray winstone man mm. okay so we've talked about the themes i feel like we should just get into best parts of the movie sure yeah all right spoiler warning do the submarine <laughs> um so so we're free we can talk freely now so yes we're, we're unleashed now <laughs> um so we can get to Drakoff in a minute i i will say we've already covered a little bit of what i think makes this movie special i think her dynamic the, the dynamic between natasha and yelena is really mm-hmm. good I liked Alexi and mm-hmm. Melina, the parent, the sort of pseudo parents. Yeah. Um, I thought the opening scene was quite effective. Yeah. Uh, what, what, by which I'm referring to the scene where, you know, it sort of like seems like they're a normal family. Yeah. And suddenly he's like, okay, it's time. And everything changes, you know, the whole yeah. tone changes. And um, it's a, it's a really good, I think it's really economical, you know, from a story writing and from a filmmaking perspective, you see what feels like, okay, they were, they were this, you know, sort of spy family or whatever, Mm -hmm. like, you know, they were, they were planted here, not a real family, but it, they, they, they did form real, but like they were living a normal life and formed real familial bonds. And when it was time to, you know, start executing a mission, it was like a sad thing for them, right? Which which goes a long way to, to me, character building wise, because 
then like later in the movie when things are totally different you sort of remember that you those roots yeah. stick with you right right where you're right. like there is something there these these characters do care for each other even though it was all fake right and i think that's what makes um the bond between the two you know air quote sisters um so touching right these are they two, were kids yeah right these are two people who uh you know for briefly felt like they only had each other and then even they were pulled apart from one another yeah. and that sort of feels so tragic uh especially when you think about the role that they're the only person they ever really knew is their father right completely abandons them yeah right uh and and shows and seems to not care really at all right that <laughs> That is what he was an interesting character, you know, this father who's like a bad father, but also is like, my girls are strong. Right. (laughs) Very much boy named Sue territory, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I thought that that was a really interesting scene where uh, he's like, well, it all worked out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you think it all worked out? And he's like, for you? Yes. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. He's like, you are like one of the world's greatest assassins and you are an Avenger, right? Mm -hmm. Like how, yes, this worked out for you. I'm the one who was in prison. (laughs) It's sort of like interesting that I think they, they are very justified in feeling like he's made, he made horrible choices and they have succeeded in spite of him. Mm -hmm. Right. And his point and his argument is like, no, 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 you succeeded because (laughs) of me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he's presented in, I don't know, it might be a bit of a Rorschach test. Like there's probably some people who watch this movie who find him to be, like him to be the most hateable character in the whole movie. To yeah. me, I sort of felt like they presented him in in sort of a lovable oaf sort of way. Right, right, you know? for sure. Um, almost just like a caricature, like an extreme version of the stereotypical kind of clueless dad Who's like, who's kind of a bad dad, but 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 thinks he's you know, but does care about his children and and right. thinks he's doing the right thing, but just like right transposed into the context of their spies and you know murderers, right? Right. So For, yeah, from his sort of same basic vantage template. point, from his like if you if you apply his value system to his actions, he's making the right choices mm-hmm. right um it's just from my perspective and my value system it's like you are not a good person uh but yeah i thought alexi was a great character uh really funny david harbour uh delivers it really well um sort of this uh vaguely sort of mr incredible past his prime sort of vibe right or he's just he's like i can't yeah. fit into I can't fit into the suit, but I sort of am unwilling to admit that I'm like not the same guy I used to be. Right? Do they actually do they actually address? He he's very much like the Russian Captain America, right? Is that, what, yeah, that's what how it they position like. it, right? But, but do they explain where his like super strength comes from? No. I don't remember that being explained. Okay, it's it's sort of like at, at this point in this universe, do you really need? You don't need a explanation for everything. Yeah, There's science, just like science, all kinds of ways people right. get powers right in this world. So it's one of those. 
he got a serum or he's a mutant or, you know, he was, he was, he got some sort of uh, radiation that gave him superpowers. His his father's a planet, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Could be any of these. He's a, he's an eternal, you know? Right. What does it matter? Um, Dr. Strange gave him powers, (laughs) you know? It is it is kind of it is kind of hilarious. You know, the the movies are becoming like the comics where there's just every possible explanation under the sun is 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 on the table, you know, is on the menu. Right. um, For how you can explain what's going on. Um, I also really liked the intro of Taskmaster. I thought the first fight between them was a good, you know, we've um We've talked before about when an action scene is sort of functioning as more than just an action scene. Yeah. I don't want to give this scene too much credit um, for that, but I do think it, w- it it did a very good job of sort of helping you to understand what Taskmaster's powers were. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of like, oh, this character sort of can match whatever your style is and kind of beat you at your own game, you know, no matter what it is, was sort of my initial kind of impression of the character, mm-hmm. which yeah. which makes which makes it a very formidable villain because you're like, basically, you can't beat this guy because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's you, right? He, the, well, he's you, but better, right? He's just gonna he's just gonna adapt to whatever you're doing and do it better than you're doing it. So there's no like approach that's going to work because he's just right. going to adapt to it. Um, which was a cool thought. I mean, it's, it's sort of like the, uh, the Sentinels, you know, in X-Men days mm-hmm. of future past. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I thought it was good. You know, it was sort of like an effective scene that, that Natasha does, a does her best, but she is very, she's clearly very outmatched, which is a great way to intro a villain. Cause then you're like, Ooh, how's the hero going to beat this villain down the road? You know, in the, in the last 20 minutes of the movie, because I know they're gonna, right? But right, right. clearly it's not just by fighting real good. So um, I thought that was good. What else? Any other highlights for you? Uh, I Just to sort of call out some of the, some of the jokes, um, Florence Pugh sort of muttering to herself mm. at one point when they're in a helicopter, or she's in a helicopter, and she sees an avalanche sort of bearing down on where they're at. And she's like, this would be a cool way to die. <laughs> right. Like, uh, yeah. and then later, um, you know, in a much less sort of cinematic moment, right. She's like, this would not be a cool right, way right, to die. Right, right, right. right. Just like, she had a lot of little gags yeah. like that throughout. She the was movie, a funny which, character, which I don't know. Uh, obviously what the situation was with the writing of this film, but like she was so clearly the designated comic relief. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and other than Alexi. You know, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think he and her together were right, like right. by far. She's in the, the movie the more. Elements. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it's funny cause I feel like Scarlett Johansson's character in other movies certainly has some, you know, zippy one liners. Mm-hmm. But I felt like in this film generally just carried herself very seriously. Right. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. didn't appear to be having like a ton of fun in the movie. Uh, and so it's when, you know, 
Florence Pugh and David Harbour get involved that you're like, okay, okay, okay. I can sort of lighten up because they're having fun. Right. Right. Um, and so just, yeah, like I really enjoy, you know, when Spider-Man or whomever uh, has like little zingers that they like put into like these yeah. intense moments because it just makes it, um, while it's unrealistic, it just makes it, you know, pleasant to watch a right. space station disintegrate and fall from the sky right sort of like okay so long as we're having fun i can sort of get on board with this yeah i mean that was i feel like that's part of what made iron man such a hugely popular character so fast yeah right yeah um i uh i liked her i I liked her vest her thing with the vest Uh uh-huh so many pockets (laughs) it's so cool (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, it was just very endearing. I mean, I think it, it her character had a combination of like um, good humor, where she would sort of tease Natasha and, and you know give her gentle kind of like ribbings here and there, but yeah. also had this kind of like innocent, uh, like almost adorable quality to her. Right, you know? right. Like loving the jack, loving the the vest, being an example. Right. Um, yeah. So so uh, yeah, I'm with you. I thought Florence Pugh was great. Um, you mentioned that you thought that Dreykov as a character was a waste of Ray Winstone. I will say, uh, I'm not very familiar with Ray Winstone, to be clear. I don't even know what he's, like, what else is he in? What's he really good in? Give me one example. Uh, the one that I particularly like is Sexy Beast. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'm aware of that. I'll have to check it out someday. Okay. But um, the, at least the intro, like, the first, I don't know. 10 minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. if that of when she first kind of meets him in person, I thought at first and we can, it sort of became a little more disappointing, which we can get into and fix the movie, but Mm -hmm. his, but his initial kind of presence and, you know, just how confident he was and how completely unafraid of her Mm -hmm. and kind of in control of the situation he was to me was like, oh, this is a pretty good villain. Like I'm, I'm digging this. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, at first to me was, was really strong. I think it, I think it deteriorates, uh, from there. So, so like I said, we'll get into that, but, um, so I don't know if that counts as a highlight because, <laughs> because it, it deteriorates, but at first I thought it was, it was, uh, I thought he made a really solid kind of like, you know, taskmaster was set up as the main villain early but then they kind of transition mm-hmm. to like taskmaster is just sort of the foot soldier and this guy's the real one pulling the strings you know um and i thought it worked at first but yeah uh, i just um i i think marvel generally has you know a, a villain problem where they don't have really interesting villains for the most part and they have to basically for general with the exception of thanos they sort of have to be rid of them by the end of every movie. Um, but yeah. the idea of like a master manipulator who is controlling this huge set of, you know, extremely talented uh, assassins could be like a terrifying mm-hmm. idea, mm-hmm. but they never, they never really pay that off. He's sort of easily dismantled relative to the level of power that he he's like controlling world governments you know what i mean supposedly yeah allegedly right Um, and in in no specific concrete ways that they 
that they indicate, but it's just like right. he is changing things. Aside from the fact that he's got a floating space palace. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I think Marvel has been it's it's interesting. Marvel has definitely been trying to change that. Yeah. But I feel like um it's difficult for it to really work out effectively. Like for example, the villain in uh well, not the villain, but uh, the Mordo character in Doctor Strange is sort of turns into a villain by the end, or is it's have strongly implied he's going to become a villain, right? Right. Vulture does not die at the end of the first Spider-Man. I think Mysterio doesn't die at the end of the second Spider-Man, right? Right, yeah. So I feel like they, they've kind of learned from their past sins. They're like, we should keep the villains alive, Mm-hmm. So we can like bring them back, but the problem is it's not like keeping the heroes alive, where like heroes appear in each other's movies. But there's no reason for Vulture to appear, you know, right. in like another movie that ha- has nothing to do with Spider-Man. So even though they're keeping these villains alive, it's just like I don't know. Are we going to see Mordo again? Are we going to see Vulture again at some point? Probably in like you know three years when we kind of forgot he even existed, right? Right. So, yeah, I think they still have that problem, even though at least they've learned to not just have their villains be like one and done, just like kill them in that at the end of the movie. And then, you know, even if they were interesting, you can't do anything with them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I have some thoughts about, uh, you know, Drake off and in <clears throat> fix the movie when we get there. So, well, let's get and, to it. I'm not, I don't really have any other highlights I wanted to cover. Do you? No, I mean, uh, prison break sequence was good. I thought mm. <laughs> the uh, one that ends in just like an avalanche that presumably kills like everyone. <laughs> no, it just covers up the prison and then they have to dig themselves out. Yeah, that's I think a, those that's normally I, kill you. <laughs> that's how I choose to believe. <laughs> like being buried there. in a hundred feet of snow. <laughs> they all. Yeah. What would really I, happen? I guess they, you su- could they would suffocate. That. Right. I, um, I think that's what happens. Yeah. I just thought that was like. It was to me. There were sometimes when scenes like that happen. I sort of can't. You know, you're supposed to just not think about it too much. But but right. I I typically do think about it a little too much, and I'm like, there were a lot of guards, you know, and just like <laughs> completely not, you know, like there were innocent people that definitely died as a result of this, you know. But it's fine. It's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. They I choose really to believe die. they all survived. That's what I choose to believe. Yeah, you're uh, right. You're right. They all dug themselves out at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of the avalanche. Well, once the snow settled, uh-huh. then they just did some light digging. Yeah. And yeah. they were fine. And it was fine. That's what happened. Uh, okay, well, let's get to fix the movie. Um, Prisons are happy places where everybody is healthy and well taken care of. Uh, okay, so fix the movie. Uh, all right, so... I, I started thinking about Drakov and this whole notion of mind control mm-hmm. that he does either pheromonally or chemically or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how ultimately it was never really well used, in my opinion, right? Um, like, we know that there's all these black widows, ah, I just called the black widow, uh, like hanging out on the you see space station or whatever. They yeah, are black right. widows. Um, and at one point he's like, 
you know, talking to them and he's like, kill uh, Scarlett Johansson, make her suffer. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a, there's a fight sequence where that happens, but it's sort of like, that's a very boring way to use <laughs> like mind control. Right. Like, uh, and I was thinking about, did you ever watch the TV show, the Marvel TV show on Netflix called uh, Jessica Jones? No, I never watched it. So there is a, so the villain in season one of Jessica Jones is a guy played by David Tennant named Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. And his thing is he can control you by speaking to you. Right. He, that's like his mutant power. Right, just whatever, whatever he tells you, you have to do. Right. You have to do. Right. Um, and he is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he clearly, they clearly show very early in the series that he is willing to do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. He has no moral compunction about, um, asking children to do horrible things, asking people to do horrible things to themselves. Mm. Right. And, uh, and so when you, when Jessica Jones, the hero of the show has to confront him, you're like deathly scared for her. Mm-hmm. Right. And for everybody around her, because you're like, this is a horrifying power for someone to have. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and but so can she just like wear earbuds and so she can't hear what he tells her to do. So I think, well, I think they figure out ways to, uh-huh. it, they, they realize it has to, like, I think they determine like, uh, like or you just get a sniper to earbuds, <laughs> earbuds don't work because, uh, you have to like, like you can still hear it mm-hmm. a little bit and it's mm-hmm. like, it's something through the air that he's doing with his mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, they figure out ways to counter. Obviously it's a TV show. They figure it out. Mm-hmm. But like, um, but for, for, there's a significant portion of the of the show where it's like this guy's terrifying. He's like the shark in Jaws. Like whenever he shows up, I just want them to run because it's so mm-hmm. scary. Um, and I was sort of thinking about like Dracov. It's like there was potentially an opportunity for something like that, right? Like he's got this, you know, armed facility filled with these, you know, extremely capable assassins. Why not like? put int- like why not put them in difficult situations where he is using mind control in more creative sinister ways right yeah. um but instead it's like well we sprayed our faces with this red mist and now yeah. we're totally free yeah right yeah. it's like that would it would have been more interesting for example if like yelena had to confront the fact that she still had some level of like submissiveness to his control and had to figure that out right right right. um the fact that scarlett johansson you know is able to get out from under his thumb simply by breaking her own banging her head into the table yeah right it's sort of like wait no one thought of this Mm -hmm. right like uh well maybe the others didn't know what the mechanism was right he's got a well but like for example rachel vice's character did and she had the same thing yeah right and it's like never occurred to her to just like Nose plug, she, baby. Well, she told right. Natasha how to do how to break it. Sever right? the nerve. Like, you have to sever this nerve. Yeah, I mean that that definitely is one of the biggest. This is the final. So I'm with you, and I would say the final kind of series of revelations 
around this are all sort of just a little disappointing to me. Um, mm. But even as I say this and as I think about, you know, what makes them kind of weak, I could totally see these being the result of, uh, you know, rewrites to kind of just clean, clean everything up and make it simpler. Right. You know, it totally could be. It totally could have been more complex initially. And I yeah. could see the studio notes being like, this is a little, you know, psychologically complex. Like, how about you just make it like it's a pheromonal thing and she mm-hmm. gets around it by severing a nerve, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then then she can just like beat him up, you know. Right. Or it's like, right. how about instead of all this mind control stuff, you just make him like tell the other widows to kill her and then it's just a right. fight. Or it's like, how about instead of all this kind of subtle ways to try to regain agency despite having some mind control, we just introduce this red powder that mm-hmm. makes you just like snap out of it, you know? Right. Like right. It, it totally could be the, the kind of thing where these are all like we're, we're from a certain perspective improvements <laughs> for all right. I know, right? Right. But to me, and it sounds like to you as well, it was... I mean, I think the pheromonal thing was was possibly the most disappointing development because, like, I thought it was fascinating. Like, the moment she goes to stab him and she can't, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is great. This is really mm-hmm. interesting, you know? Right, it, right. It sort of, it, you, you, it, it changes your the whole way you're viewing the scene because you're like, why is he so cocky? Like, she's going to kill right. him, you know? Right. And then when she can't, you're like, oh, my gosh, she's been programmed, yeah. you know, from such a young age. Like, she can't hurt him. Right. And then when it's like, oh, it's just like a chemical. Thing. He, he had a very flimsy mechanism <laughs> for enforcing this, yeah. Yeah. you know, and he was way overconfident in it. Right. It's um, like, what if somebody gets a cold? You know I, like, what I mean? Like, yeah, it's so much more interesting if it's a psychological block that she has as opposed yeah. to... No, there's a chemical and just just to, you know, damage your receptor to that chemical and you're fine. Yeah. Um, so to me, yeah, that that I think it sounds like we both would have appreciated a much more kind of psychologically complex approach to that issue. Like I, I would have loved to see them have to write themselves out of that corner of she just can't hurt him herself. You know, Uh she can't bring herself to do that. So in terms of the plot, we're going to have to find a way for her to, you know, overcome. She like, it's not going to be, it's not going to be satisfying in the sense of we're going to see Natasha beat up Drakoff. Like, it's just not going to be an option because she can't do it, you know? Right. Or, Or, or she can, but it's like a real psychological rewiring exercise, you know, sort right. of like um, picturing like, you know, not that this is like a great example because this is very hand wavy filmmaking as well. But, you know, in The Dark Knight Rises, when like Bruce Wayne is down in the pit and he yes. has to like learn to like how to get out of the pit. Climb without the rope. Yeah, yes. climb without the rope. Like, I feel like that that whole sequence in that movie is a little bit clumsily done, but I still like the idea of he has to really kind of like learn something and take a leap. Yeah. Uh, character development wise to get to where he needs to be. And I think it would have been great if, if Natasha had something similar, you know, of like, right. 
Right. You think you can't hurt this man. Like why? Almost like that, like it would take therapy, you know, right. For her to get to where she needs to be. Right. And then, and, when, and really, then it would be so satisfying when she finally did hit him and he'd be like, how is this possible? You know? Right. Versus the way it actually plays out where she's just like, I'm going to slam my forehead into the desk. And then he's like, oh no, <laughs> right. you figured out my trick. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I totally agree. I just think, you know, you've got a talented actor in Ray Winstone. You've got an interesting sort of theme of like mind control you got mm-hmm. a really tough puzzle, like which I think is worthy of like a climactic problem, right? Of like I, I'm not in control of my own mm-hmm. body, right? Uh, you know, I think these are all good ingredients, and it's just sort of like the solution, while simple, right, uh, is not very satisfying, yeah. right? It maybe you might, you might even call it elegant, right? It's just not very satisfying because it feels yeah. like. Black Widow, the entire film basically is like, I'm going to punch my way out of this problem. Yeah. Right. And it's like the ending is no exception. She's like, he's like, haha, you can't punch me. She's like, oh, contraire. I will still <laughs> punch my way out of this problem. Yeah. Right. And well, it's just not, you know, I think there are limits to how interesting that can be. Totally. Um, I think another, I uh, just, just, for the sake of saying it, I think another approach they could have taken that I would have also found interesting. So one approach would be the, you know, psychological, uh, wrestle with your demons and just kind of like figure out how to overcome those, those barriers. Um, another approach would have been treating it almost more like a puzzle and figure out some way for Natasha, Yelena and Melina to work together Mm-hmm. You know, for them to figure out, like, none of us can hurt him ourselves. Mm-hmm. But what's like a sort of way that we can concoct that if each of us takes this action independently, that we're, none of us is directly hurting him, the result will be that he is, you know, dispatched. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that would have been kind of cool, you know, just just mm-hmm. inter- almost like a A team, like figure it out kind of thing, you know. Right. Uh, solve this puzzle. I think that would have been a fun way to do it either. But either way, I guess yeah. generally the, the theme here is to fix this movie, to fix this particular aspect of this movie, just do something a little more interesting than it's pheromones. And all she's got to do is bang her head against the desk. Right. Right. Yep. And, and I think you're also talking about more generally do, do more interesting things with mind control. Don't just have it be, they're going to, they're going to beat her up and then red powder saves the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the reveal? I think the other big thing for me that was just felt like just a little too tidy and also just unnecessary was the taskmaster reveal. Yes, that it's not a he, it's a she. And it's, yeah, OK, fine. It's a she. I mean, I have no problem with that, but like it's well, his that daughter. Straight daughter. Right. right yeah. Right. It, it felt completely unnecessary to it felt like. The only reason it's his daughter is to absolve her from the crime she thought she committed. Um, Other than that, it doesn't seem interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, it's um, 
It's like the daughter is alive. So you didn't kill a little girl. Right. You just like. Don't worry, audience. You just wounded her terribly. And now she's like a mind controlled puppet. Yeah. Right. Like. But like, why is she a mind controlled puppet now? You know, because he did that to his daughter. Is that. I think it was partly like to keep her alive after that thing. You know, he had to take some extreme measures and. Yeah. Yeah. She, you know, it's classic, like she's more machine than man right. now, you know, more machine, more machine, woe machine than woe man now. Um, and uh, that that I think is sort of like the idea is that Scarlett Johansson looks at her and is like, I'm so sorry. Were it not for me, you could have been, you know, a quote normal. You know, you could have been free from this. Sure. But now you are like a you know, you're subjugated to your father's, you know, orders. Until the, Um, until after I beat up your dad and then you're going to be free to go live your life. Yeah. How do they, do they just spray her face with red stuff? Is that how they get her out? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. And then she just like walks away or something. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It feels kind of dumb. They get her on. It feels kind of dumb to me. Yeah. Did you like um, it? What did you think of that reveal? I I didn't. It didn't really have any emotional impact on me. I wasn't like, oh wow, yeah. twist, yeah. right? Um, it was. I kind of figured. I honestly kind of figured that would be the case. Like yeah. from an early stage when it's like, you blew up Drakov's daughter. I'm like, I know a daughter who we're gonna <laughs> see later. Right. Right. Um. Because well, I think like the notion that she's like, I'm haunted for murdering a child. And we're like, yeah, yeah that's just going to stay that way. Just feels like not in the Marvel slash Disney way. Well, to me, as a put it this way, I thought, um, you know, in earlier, I think it, it might be most in Age of Ultron that they really play this up. I can't remember, but I think it's in other Marvel movies, too that Black Widow is just really, you know, haunted by some, her past and talks about, you know, I've got a lot of, you know, skeletons in my closet and, you know, I'm like trying to outrun the things I've done. Like she, she says these kinds of things. A lot of red in my ledger. Yeah. She's, she's said these kinds of things in these movies. And to me, when they reveal in this film, kind of what the big thing is, I was like, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good sort of like, that peg fits in that hole, you know, like yeah. you would be haunted by killing a child, like choosing to kill a child, you know? Right. Um, but I think they thread the needle really well of like, but you can understand there was this really, really evil man that she really felt like it was for the, you know, good of all these other girls mm-hmm. whose lives are being controlled by him. And she did it like because she felt like there was no other way you know and you're like oh man that 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 fits the bill for me it would it would definitely be something she would have a hard time living with herself you know after but then so that's like the initial reveal of what it was and then later it's like ah but she didn't die also he's completely fine and i'm like well now it just makes you seem incompetent like what right i thought that you like were sure that he was there and that's the only reason you were willing to, you know, detonate the bomb despite the fact that his daughter was there. But are we now supposed to believe that, like, he wasn't even there at all and you just just blew up his daughter? 
<laughs> you know, like yeah. what what would were you doing? You know, it 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 undermines it for me. It makes it it makes it much less of a satisfying explanation right. because you're like, and, okay, he was completely fine. Yeah, and Yelena even sort of calls this out early in the film. She's like, so you saw his body uh-huh. and Johansson's like, well, there was nothing to find, right? right. It was all disintegrated with in the explosion. And but it's like, like, did you see him when you press the button to detonate right. the bomb or did you just see the little girl? I think, right? I mean, the way she describes it, she's like, we, I needed the little girl because that was my confirmation that he was there. Yeah. That was like, that's like the way she did. I but was that like, doesn't that make sense. Core logic. Right? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine, right? It's not like it ruins the movie, but it does. Right. It does really make you scratch your head and think, gee, I don't really know like what she, what she thought she did. Yeah. It would. Well, been- how, how could what she thought she accomplished be so different from what she actually accomplished right. and her not just be an idiot, you know? Right. I think like it's funny because they could have even resolved this uh, pretty simply, right? They could have had him, you know, badly scarred or disfigured or whatever, right? And he mm-hmm. could even say something like, you know, when you blew me up, you know, I actually died for like, you know, ninety seconds. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, you know, the, a team of surgeons or whatever like got me allowed me to survive even though i'm you know horribly or 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 he reveals or yeah or i mean or he reveals that he always had a body double you know yeah 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 for for you know for anything in public that type of purpose yeah Yeah. and and then you know and then it's like so the person you killed was just this like actor or something who had three kids and a wife right yeah yeah but but that would have been they just kind of don't address like, it. He just wasn't there or was too or far he's away fine. from the bomb or <laughs> yeah. like he's just fine for somehow. Yeah, it just makes the entire original sin seem really odd. Yeah, and I just don't I just I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a you know, value to it that I'm not seeing, but I just didn't see why Taskmaster needed to be his daughter. Um, I think I would have just, just preferred. It's almost like I would have preferred Taskmaster to just continue to be mis- an, like whose identity honest. could be unknown even at the end of the movie, and then they could have kept that villain, you know, for a later movie. As it is now, I feel like they they basically lost the villain of Taskmaster, right? Yeah, she's not. She's not going to turn it back into Taskmaster <laughs> after right. this movie, right? Um, but she so. might become a good guy. Yeah, right. she might. Not as not as not as fun, obviously. Well, well, I mean, this character literally has no lines, right? Right. She doesn't even talk, so it's like she's basically not a character. She might as well be a fighting robot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, good guy, bad guy doesn't really matter. It's not like not like people are going to be like, yeah, we love, we love Antonia. <laughs> she's our favorite character. Right. <laughs> you know. Our favorite character who doesn't say anything. Um, those are the two big ones for me. I was disappointed with the pheromones. I was disappointed with the Taskmaster, Taskmaster reveal. Yeah. Um, 
But otherwise, enjoyed the movie. Something that I wanted to, uh, it's funny, I think I'm probably spoiled. Uh, in the trailer for the film, I think one of the sort of culminating bits, and I think it's a culminating part of the movie too, is this is a sequence where um, Scarlett Johansson's character is in sort of free fall mm-hmm. through like the sky, and mm-hmm. there's like a fight happening like while falling. And I was, and in the trailer, I was like, "Yes, give me this. This oh, is yeah. great." Like I like when's the last time you saw like a falling fight, right? <laughs> um, and so, and for I whatever know, I didn't reason, have a lot of hope for that. I wanted it to last like a very long time. You know what I mean? Like, um, so you really built it up in your mind. This had, is going to be like the centerpiece of this movie. And it was over pretty quick. I, I, I feel like I'm spoiled by movies like mission impossible fallout or something right, right. where like the falling sequence does take like, I don't know what feels like a couple of solid minutes, right. Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. just like hot, like increasing intensity, like, Oh God, Tom Cruise is going to splat on the top of this building. Right. Yeah. Um, sort of feeling. Uh, and I was sort of hoping that there would be something like that, but they, and at no point does the falling ever really enter into the equation as like, no perilous. You know what I mean? It just feels, no, like they're just like getting to the ground. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it just are like, Oh, it would be way cooler if this was actually like something that would be scary. Yeah. For Scarlett Johansson. But like, Nope, she's just cool as a cucumber falling from, you know, 40,000 feet up in the sky. Yeah, it's, it, it's true. The, the, the way that whole scene plays out and is presented is quite ludicrous, actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this airborne, you know, giant station explodes and all of the characters are just falling to the earth with massive, you know, pieces of machinery falling also around them. Like they are doomed you know, but none of them is even remotely scared and they just all are fine. You know, right. um, it's like, how are they fine? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is like the most extreme. This is like a plane crash meets a car crash meets, you know, a building um, explosion. or whatever. Yeah, it's like a million things that can kill you all wrapped up in one and no one seems bothered. Right. Yeah. Or Look even like the- they need to be careful. <laughs> Look at the million tons of like stuff yeah. falling on me right now. It's like whatever. I'll just weave. I'll just bob and weave yeah. all the way down. Yeah. Well, I'm. I I think uh, you know. I'll fault you a little bit there for getting your hopes up because I've never seen. I I, I can't think of a airborne fight scene that's ever been good. Well, They're always bad. The Mission Impossible Fallout parachute scene fight scene yeah there's not a, they're not fighting in the air though no i know but it's like they have to solve a problem in the yeah. air and like not die and her problem happens to be a murderous mind-controlled uh you know yeah lady uh and yeah so- i'm just i'm just thinking of like matrix or superman or aquaman or anything where the yeah. characters are sort of floating and kind of yeah. coming at each other and punching and spinning around. And, you know, right. I'm like, those are always dumb. <laughs> no, I, but I would have been interested in like, oh, God, my hands are tied behind my back and I can't like pull my parachute ripcord. Mm. 
or something like you know what i mean just yeah. like something to make it interesting as opposed yeah. to just yeah. like they could have been standing in the middle of a cornfield and having a fight it wouldn't have right. it would have not made a huge difference um yeah. so that's my other sort of that's one of my nom one of my additional nominees for fix the movie fix the falling scene yes yeah, do it do it better please introduce real peril or at least have better choreography yeah i agree with you i think better choreography is probably fool's gold you know sort of like you think you've really got something but it's like at the end of the day it's just two people sort of falling into each other right yeah i mean i look forward to the day i'm proven wrong and see like a really good you know shoot fight really compelling yeah falling or floating or flying fight i just haven't seen it yet they always she could put she could pop her parachute and then like a piece of debris could hit the parachute and then it's like dragging her to earth what do you do right like i don't know there's yeah. just so many like dangerous things that could happen that would be very exciting to watch so several several ways to fix a movie i'm sure we could keep keep going do you have any other big ones no i think that's it i think um really if you if 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 we were just focused on the first two thirds of the movie, I don't think I'd have any real complaints. Um, and then in the end, you know, I've seen worse, I've seen worse endings for sure. It just, it, it was sort of predictable, but disappointingly so in that it kind of wraps a bunch of things up in kind of a neat bow that felt like it, especially for a movie like this, given the themes that it was trying to tackle, I think it would have benefited from a little bit more, um, you know, just three-dimensional characters and and complex kind of motivations and developments in the end, but right. Oh, I as have I've said three other, times already. It's a Disney movie, so I, I have one other too hard. thing that I okay. want to gripe about for a moment. There's like a recurring thing that happens in movies where two characters, upon encountering one another, just start fighting. Which mm -hmm. okay, the movie, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but then they get tired, and wh whereas they were moments <laughs> and ago then the fight is over, trying to kill each other, uh -huh. they're like, "Can we just stop fighting now?" And it's mm -hmm. like, "Okay," and now we have like banter, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am just not okay with this as like a mechanism <laughs> no? in movies. No, because it's like. You were literally trying to kill each other like 30 seconds ago. I don't think they were trying to kill each other. I read that scene diff so I get I, I I'm not totally disagreeing with you, but you're referring to 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 her first encounter with Yelena, right? Yes. In yes. my in my my reading of that scene was that neither could be sure they could trust the other. Right. So they were both basically trying to not get killed by the other one. Yeah. And that over the course of the fight and just the amount of that, basically the sort of way it resolves with them being tired is they're both just sort of like have seen enough to be convinced that the other is not like mind, con a mind controlled killer anymore. Hmm. That's, Maybe. that's how I read it. I, I think that, if if you buy that reading as a way that that scene could have played and been been reasonable, then I think they could have just done a little bit more to make that clearer. 
Right. But um, anyway, that's how I read it. I would have liked for the fight to be more clearly motivated by something. Mm -hmm. Instead, they just start fighting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And similarly, I would have liked for the conclusion of the fight to have been motivated by somebody figures something out that it's like, oh, wait, I thought you were mind controlled, but you just did something that clearly makes me think that you are not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we can stop doing this now. Right. It just felt very arbitrary. Both ends of that felt very arbitrary to me. Now, I thought the yeah. fight itself was good and exciting. Right. Um, right. But it just was it just felt like movie logic. It just felt like, well, we have to fight because we're introducing ourselves to one another. And that's what characters do in Marvel movies. When they meet somebody new is they fight first. <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean. I think it would make a ton of sense given their backgrounds that, you know, if you were walking into a room and it was like, this is your brother that you haven't seen in years and there's a good chance he will try to kill you, you know, that what you would want to do if you're also trained killer is like, I do want to see my brother and I do care about my brother. So I don't want to kill my brother, but I also don't want to get killed. So what I'll try to do is subdue him. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then then like get him under control and then then figure out the situation. So I think that's I think the what what they should have made clearer is they each was trying to subdue the other because they weren't sure if they could trust them or not. Yeah. And you know, you know, what would have worked, but probably they avoided on purpose. What probably would have worked is if just one of them had succeeded, you know, if Natasha had subdued Yelena yeah. And then they'd had like a little bit of a conversation and Yelena could convince her that she's not being mind controlled. I think the reason they didn't do that, though, is because they wanted them to seem like equals right. in terms of fighting ability. Ability. Yeah. It's like if Natasha had bested her, then Yelena would seem like not as good and vice versa. Right. right. So that's that's my final. My yeah. final gripe. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we've talked highlights we've talked fix the movie now let's talk beam it up or not would we beam it up adam no no No, i would not either no we would not the astronaut might be mad at us if they're if they're a huge mcu fan but we're just assuming they're just a cinema fan so yeah they're just a lover they want to see good of the medium yeah and this is a fine movie but uh you know it's just kind of just another comic book movie really right it's a fun it's a fun you know popcorny movie that you can kill two hours with and you'll have a perfectly good time and you will probably like aside from the uh podcast that you record shortly after watching it you will never think about it again yeah i'm gonna have to say i agree with you there okay all right well there you have it thanks for listening everybody thanks i'm adam i'm dan bye goodbye (laughs) 